The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Alivet. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. The Human Race podcast discusses subjects that will be upsetting for some, including infertility, miscarriage and stillbirth. Support is available. Check the show description for details. This episode also contains some strong language. Kia ora and welcome to The Human Race, a podcast about those who are in the race of their lives to create a life. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and for the past four years, I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. So we wanted to bring you stories from those people that have been through it. So even if you don't want to talk about it, maybe those stories can give you hope, or at the very least, make you feel a little less alone. This is a collab podcast between Stuff and Wabi Sabi Media. Kia ora, and welcome to this very special episode of The Human Race. It is the final one of season one. We just couldn't resist the opportunity to have one more chat with you about some of the highlights of the last eight episodes. It's the wrap-up, the end of yeah season one. It feels like it's gone by in a flash. Yeah, but actually it's been quite a long journey to create this podcast because you and I first started talking about it a year, maybe 18 months ago. And then I remember last winter, we went down to the Coromandel in the middle of winter and had this kind of little bit of timeout, I suppose, before another round of IVF and sat down and wrote a list of people we would like to interview and a proposal for this podcast. And then we put it to stuff. Yeah, the amazing team here at Stuff have been so good to us. I mean, we didn't know how to make a podcast or what we were doing, but um, when they took us in their arms, we were like, this is the way you do it. Well, and to begin with, we weren't going to make it together, right? I was just going to do it, but I'm so glad we did do it together. Yeah, I'm glad to. Um, it was a bit scary coming um, behind a microphone after not doing it um, for 15 years. <laughs> but it's been amazing, and I think it's given a great perspective for guys side of it as well. Absolutely. And I don't know, now that season one is over, I feel kind of sad. Not sad that it happened, just sad that it's sort of over because I've really enjoyed this process and I've been, I don't know what the right word is, gratified that this hunch that we had that fertility was something that we needed to talk about more openly was right. And yeah. that so many people said, thank you for talking about this. Totally. And we started um, th- like social media pages so that we could obviously promote um, everything. But then it was all a bit overwhelming in terms of the, the amount of people that got in touch and they poured their hearts out. And it's been amazing that people felt comfortable telling their stories to us. Um, and it's really shown that there's a community out there that want to talk about it and are engaged in it. Um, so so that's been amazing, and a big shout out to Jen, our associate producer, who actually looked after lots of the socials. When I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll be there to help you out," um, but, <laughs> but I think the, the the good thing Jen's has left every um, DM to us to to go back and and personally talk to people and engage with them, and I think that's been really important. That it's been our voice going back to the people that have taken the time to yeah, engage with us. It was overwhelming, but it was, I know this sounds really cheesy, it was an honour <laughs> because people are bearing their souls to you and sharing probably one of the hardest things they've ever gone through or are currently going through. So if we haven't responded to you, we're very sorry because we have tried uh, to respond to everybody. And I think the thing that blew me away is that 
I think when we started, we thought our listenership would be people like us, right, in the trenches going through it. But instead, it was the whole spectrum. You know, I've had a lot of women in their 20s say, I've been listening. I'm not even trying to have a baby yet, but it's so interesting and I'm so pleased that I know this stuff. And also people who went through it years ago, sometimes decades ago, and the feeling of that has stayed with them all that time. Absolutely. Like we've had, I've had a really good friend of, of mine reach out to me, um, Sparky, and he said that they went through this. You, know, you just don't know, years do you? Ago, and they, you know, there was no discussing miscarriages. There was no engagement. And if you're having trouble having a baby, it's like, oh, mate, get in there and get on with it. You know, <laughs> get one past the goal. I can't believe you haven't done it already. Yeah. Um, so it's been, I think it's been nice for them to know. And then there's the grandmas, the granddads, the siblings, the brothers, the sisters, the friends. The community. That, the community that's mm. been on the ride as well. Um, I had this amazing story um, just today, actually, from a woman who was is the mother of a guy I went to school with. I had no idea that they spent 10 years trying to have him. But the crazy thing is, you know, I'm 37, so, you know, we're talking like at least 38 years ago, um, that she said there was no such thing as IVF in New Zealand at that time. But you could go to Australia, but there was like a, a long wait list. So obviously they did end up conceiving him. But it shows you how far we've come from a medical perspective. And now I'd like to think from a social perspective too, because... Yeah. We're talking openly about these things. The weirdest thing is, obviously you get it quite often, people recognise you and talk to you, um, but I'd been at the supermarket one time and this lady goes, I really love your podcast and I think it's great that there's a man talking about these sorts of issues as well. Oh my God, you're famous. You're famous. Um, So (laughs) it it shows you that it really really has touched some people and I mean, we're stoked that there is an audience out there as well. So as we come to the end of the season, first and foremost, we just want to say thank you very much for listening. Thanks for downloading, liking, subscribing, all the, all the key <laughs> and if things you, you need to do. haven't done those things, then do them now. It's not too late. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so we wanted to take a minute and also touch on some of our favourite moments from the series. Yeah. And obviously we kicked off the series with Bryce and Sharon. And I think I said to you at the time, don't they both just seem like people you want to be friends with? Absolutely. Such big hearts, such good fun. Even though we were talking about a really serious topic, they were so good to be around. Yeah. And, you know, they had lots of interesting nuggets to share from the journey that they've been on. But something that Bryce said right at the end, I thought was something that bears repeating. Take a listen. I'd say second, get second and third and fourth opinions too. I know, like, yeah. I wonder maybe if we'd have done that quicker, things might have been different. But then also, you're, we are very blessed and really aware that mm. we're super lucky to be blessed that um, it happened. And so maybe I wouldn't change things because then they might not have worked the way they did. But if you want to, potentially, I would say if you wanted a faster process than what we had, I would maybe suggest getting second, third, fourth opinions if you haven't done that yet. Yeah. And that is perfect advice because we did that as well. We had a second opinion and that was and a, a game changer. And, yeah. <laughs> and that was the game changer for us. We also spoke to the phenomenal couple, Sasha and Taryn. And, and they had a little baby in the studio with us. They had beautiful baby Maya with them and she was so good, wasn't she, Very while we were good. recording. And she, she's beautiful. Uh, too cute. Just delicious, yeah. Um, she cried when I had a hold, but <laughs> I, I try not to freak out that that might be a sign of things to come. Um, 
But I thought Sasha's perspective was really interesting because she's a doctor, she's worked in women's health, she's also a lesbian. And I think it opened my eyes to the fact that while there is help available through the health system, Mm. it's not necessarily equally available to everyone. There is a sort of an institutionalised unfairness that is kind of built into the process, kind of just by... uh, I don't know, maybe neglect or not thinking through parts of it. So I think there's a piece there that really needs to be thought of because unless you have the means to go privately through fertility treatment, then you kind of miss out. Right, you miss out. And there's quite a lot of people in, you know, young couples like us who who may be going through a really similar journey who can't afford twenty grand a pop. Yeah. Um, it's expensive and it's stressful. So I think there's some structural inequality there that we need to address in mm. our in the way we've structured the funding. It's not about making it a free for all, but it is about you know really improving access. So that would be one thing I'd say uh, that we could we could kind of change. Mm. I, I just want to share one other clip from their interview because I've actually been quoting some of the quotes that Taryn gave to us in that interview to other people since then. I've been referencing her. It's possible that. She's referencing someone else, I don't know, but I just really liked the sentiment, which I think speaks to the fact that this is hard, but also that it's worth it, whatever the outcome. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot, but I love the saying, the juice is worth the squeeze, (laughs) because this baby is, is so worth it. And I think there's something in it when you've had to wait, you've had to work hard, that my friend said to me early on, she said, even when it's hard, it doesn't have to be bad, right? We had lots of fun with Jake and Aaron. I think a lot of people actually (laughs) loved the first little bit of that interview where we talked about uh, you and him pashing in a nightclub. uh, Yeah, on the strip in Christchurch. I actually thought people would be annoyed about that, bringing up that a a gay man used to bash women, but thankfully people received that with the... (laughs) Humour it was intended in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was just a, a little bit of fun um, history that you two had together. Um, but these guys went through a long journey with a surrogate and an egg donor to have baby Nico, and they made a really good point about families. You know, when you're younger, you go, oh, well, I want I want a white picket fence, a house, and a couple of kids, just like everybody else, and that's going to be easy. Well, for us, it wasn't. So mm. our benchmark or the mindset was, well, we can't do that on our own. We, have to, we know at an early age that it's going to be a bit more difficult. And that's the fertility journey for us. It was actually about having a family no matter how that family was made mm. up. So our benchmark wasn't we have the right body parts, we can make a baby. It was like there's going to be genetics from elsewhere already. Mm. Like we, there's, going to, there's going to be this, this dynamic where we, um, we can't do it on our own. Um, so – it kind of set us up for what our expectations should be along the way. Mm-hmm. So from the outset, we knew um, we needed help. And that, I think, helped to build a little bit of resilience in for us. I guess that sentiment also applies to Rhea, right? She spoke about how it took her and her husband, Chris, or Crashy as yeah. he's often known, a little bit to get their head around using her sister's eggs. But really, Teddy is so deliciously theirs that it was such a small thing in their journey. And, you know, she was really honest 
with us, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, that the fertility journey is quite hard on your relationship because you're throwing everything that you've got into trying to create a baby. There's not necessarily so much left over for each other. Yeah, all your energy is going into that and you kind of sometimes can forget that you're you're the team. And the hormones do crazy things to you and, you know, stabbing yourself in the guts with a needle was not very much fun. But I also liked that she was quite delightfully and descriptively honest (laughs) about some of the lengths that she had gone to and explored while she was trying to make Teddy. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but you did all of the things. And some of the things you did, I feel like I need to ask you about. (laughs) (laughs) What is vaginal steaming? And what is it supposed to do? Okay. (laughs) Vaginal steaming. It's a little bit woo-woo, <laughs> but when you're desperate, you're desperate. You try um, So it's like a, imagine like a toilet seat that instead of having like a bowl of cold water underneath it has got a little pot of boiling water that is filled with like herbs and things. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they pop this pot in a little, like, like latch little cupboard, pop it in there, you pop your little fanny on top. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful you don't get burned. I was going to say, does it, does it too steamy? Steam is hot. <laughs> um, yeah, so, some, you know, you have to sometimes get up and, like, pace around the room a little bit if it's getting a Let little cool down. Let it cool down. <laughs> but it's supposed to, oh God, I don't know, it's supposed to sort of just, like, clean all of the mucusy stuff out, which, you know, some people say is actually really important to have. So <laughs> who knows? We have to talk about Emma's story, right? That was probably the heaviest of our series. Yeah, um, and man, it was emotional in the room. But such a gosh, she's such a strong woman. She's an amazing wahine. I just. It also struck me how often she talked about being grateful and referenced her privilege. Absolutely. And I just thought you're a phenomenal woman. And obviously it was heartbreaking. I heard from a lot of people who talked about being in floods of tears listening to her story. An important story for us to tell, and was that and that was one big thing for for us in the team here that wasn't always a happy ending. Yeah, that you don't shy away from the hard stories. But she messaged me and said that she had heard from people who had lost babies, that she didn't know that story about them and just said how much strength they took from hearing someone else's experience of that. And so I think that it was a really hard thing for her to do. And she did it with such, such grace. And she shared some so incredibly raw moments. I think it will be seared into my memory forever, her description of the relationship with her body after losing Alfie and Ella. And we'd gone from spending evenings you know, lying on the couch with, you know, Matthew speaking at my belly and just feeling so much love and connection to me hating my body and not wanting it to be touched and showering in the dark because I couldn't bear to see it. And um, so loss of that kind, that particular kind of love, not loss of love, but loss of that particular kind of love is another thing to grieve for. 
interestingly enough, in that conversation, there was a lot of chat about Tony Robbins and how <laughs> he can be. He helped her with her turning point. Yeah, she talked about walking through fire at yeah. the end or across coals or something. Yeah, she was like, "Don't, oh no, Tony Robbins, I've outed myself." But <laughs> hey, look, Tony Robbins helped to get through things. Absolutely, Jessica Jordan. I describe her as a wahine tour because she's gone. You think about how hard IVF is and how hard parenting is, so I hear. Um, <laughs> and she's done all of that on her own. I couldn't get over listening to her story of Ubering to egg collection. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's been through egg collection, right, knows that it is um, daunting and painful. But she did it in the middle of COVID with no one to hold yeah, her hand. By herself. I just thought she was so, so strong. And also... She lost her dad in the process Mm. of trying to create her beautiful daughter, Hazel. And a little bit like Taryn, she had a really nice turn of phrase and she had a wonderful way of describing what is a really difficult journey. Like everybody has a tapestry of their life, of what makes up, yeah, their journey of, of humanness. And so we dived into the first cycle in December of 2019 it was unsick. Well, we made one embryo. So I got six eggs and made one embryo, put it back fresh, and it didn't stick. And at that time, my dad was going through getting a diagnosis of cancer. And <sighs> so it was really so much going on all at once. Because I was like, Dad, do you think I need to just wait? Like, do you think we need to wait and just focus on your health? health? And he was like, No. You just focus on your process. Um, I'll be fine. It was so lovely of him. And that was, yeah, like that was, that told me how, how much he really supported me on, on, in my journey. Um, subsequently, he got really very sick very quickly and the cancer was metastatic and which means it spread through the whole body um, without kind of us realizing. And he got really sick. So I had the treatment and, um, December 2019 and then he was diagnosed that month and then February um, 2020 just like three months later he died and so that was like the most devastating awful horrific thing that I have ever gone through and that was such a contrast to me with the fertility journey because the fertility for me feels like new hope and new life and the opportunity to create new people, new generations, and his whakapapa and his, yeah, his his name and his life, like his life living on. And I was just really excited about it. I was really excited about it and super positive because I had this contrast of like horrible, awful death, <laughs> like of just awful grief. And then this, this beautiful opportunity. And yeah, so was, something to focus yeah, on. Yeah. So I was positive about it. And that's what I mean about the tapestry of it because that was like the first thread. Some people think when they start trying for a baby, bam, they'll fall pregnant. But for others, it can take years. They give everything a shot. Surgery, tests, drugs, specialists. Switching up lifestyle choices can help, and this goes for guys too. The journey sperm undertake on their way to fertilise an egg has been likened to a human trying to swim thousands of kilometres. So it's obvious why it's essential to create a healthy environment for sperm production. Menovit is a male fertility supplement specifically formulated to support sperm health and motility. 
Made with a unique mix of antioxidants, it provides support during the conception journey, along with a healthy lifestyle. Menovit is available at leading pharmacies. For more information, head to elevit.co.nz. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kelly Addison. Man, she was straight up, right? We have to talk about her because I think of her as being, I think I called her an angel during the episode, and I think that's accurate because she has been a surrogate and is in the midst at the moment of being a surrogate for another couple. And what I learned from her episode is that I guess everyone, well, I certainly assumed you had to have had children in order to qualify for being a surrogate, but she hasn't had children Mm. and she's now gone through the ethics process and qualified twice. twice. And I think that's worth remembering. Yeah, but she did also have some pretty firm criteria on who she was willing to be a surrogate for. I had two criteria for surrogates. One was that they didn't have big kids because I was concerned about the size of the baby's head. Hey, just before we jump into this, I'm going to get out my tape measure and just uh, put it around your skull. Like, I mean, it was more of a look at them engaged thing, but um, yeah, I was very concerned about that whole, like, I always knew I wanted a natural birth. Like, I was really anti a C-section. Obviously, if I'd needed a C-section, then you would have just done it. But I really wanted to give birth naturally. So yeah, two criteria. One was that they didn't have big heads um, because I didn't want a big-headed baby. Um, And the second one was that they were pro-vaccination. So I didn't want anyone that I was going to carry a child for for nine months and then it was going to accidentally die of a completely preventable disease like coping cough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then it's – because I've actually gone down this road with four couples. Um, like I've, I've met four couples in person to see if they would be potential surrogates. And some of them had enormous heads and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> it was an easy first meeting. You're like, oh, look, actually, it's going to work. Probably the largest heads of the couple I'm currently pregnant with right now. And they're still very normal size, but they're slightly larger than the last baby. I also feel like it would be remiss of us not to give a little shout out to Dan's balls. Oh, <laughs> Thanks for I'm glad I had almost not finished my sip of water then. So. <laughs> Well, I, everywhere. Just, I just felt like we gave your balls quite a lot of attention during this series. I think we only got over our points system because I had a blockage in my ball bag that I had to have surgery for. And they're like, oh, there's 10 more points. There you go. But they decided that they needed to do surgery because we, I had did have a blockage um, in my ball bag. And then that was affecting the quality and the amount of sperm, um, I think, at the time. A blockage in your ball bag. Well, I had a, like a blockage in the vein in my ball bag, and so I had surgery and got that clear. Through your neck? Yeah, through my neck, which what was the, the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but then then I did that, and then I had to give another sample, 
And the doctor, we went and saw the doctor and she's like, great sperm. <laughs> and a thumbs up and I was like, yes, I'm back. Yes, back, baby. <laughs> oh, what a lovely little segue from my balls. <laughs> nice little... Little um, memento for the memory bank exactly. of <laughs> Dan's ball bag blockage. <laughs> also, though, there was one piece of feedback that came up with almost every single one of our guests. Well, I just remember being told by other people to be like, "Oh, just relax," you know, when you're trying to make the baby. Just relax. Try not to think. Of, just try not to think about it. Maybe you shouldn't work as much. Oh, oh. I hear that one too. So yeah, relax, was... enjoy it, have fun. It'll happen. It'll, It'll happen. happen. Yeah, that you one's all but Yeah, that's like yeah. enough to be like. Yeah. Enjoy my fist in your face. Yeah. yeah. I'm so Blood relaxed. Boiling. Yeah. Everyone just always tells you just just to relax. <laughs> you know, just the re- relax, just forget about it, put it out of your mind and it'll happen. It's like, no, it won't. There's something medically going wrong here. Um, yeah, that wound me up so much. And I feel like everybody said that. Uh, people say things like just relax and it'll happen. Like it's going to not happen. That I one's been coming up a lot. We have to have like... as a counter in, the, in, in, in this <laughs> yeah. podcast as to how many times that's come just up. It's a public service announcement. Do not tell a woman trying to conceive to relax. Yeah. End of. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If it hasn't worked to just have sex and have a baby, then saying just re- Like it's actually such a conscious conception. Go on holiday. It'll happen if you just relax. Relax. And I'm like, That's one of the biggest ones. Relax. When there's medically things wrong with you, endometriosis, an adhesion in your uterus, mm. a blockage in your ball bag, all of those things are not solved by relaxing, you know? Like they are medical problems to be fixed. Absolutely. <laughs> Plus, of course, we actually got to share with you some quite unexpected news about little baby Higgins, which is really not how we anticipated this series about infertility and the challenges of getting pregnant to go, I thought actually that people might think it was just a little bit too convenient, but the response was beautiful. And I cried a lot of hormonal tears about (laughs) telling everyone that we were going to have a baby. For the first time in four years, we naturally got pregnant. We've never had a positive pregnancy at home test ever. And I was like, well, guess I better take another one, and I did, and then I took a digital one, and they all said the same thing, and I was like, well, look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The mm. chances are this is not sticking around. And we were just about to go and have our medical to start the surrogacy process. Yeah. I think and it was I, the weekend before the Tuesday that we were going in. Yeah. 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 And they'd just got your – we'd been recommended to get your the your sperm retested, retested for again. DNA fragmentation. And we went in and they said, oh, look, Dan's sperm isn't looking so great on DNA fragmentation, so we suggest some lifestyle changes and that you delay your IVF egg collection until May. And we were like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. We should also probably mention that uh, we just had a positive pregnancy test, but the chances are, you know, my boobs hurt, I'm cramping, feels like I'm going to get my period. And the doctor says to me, yeah, but those are also signs of pregnancy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. who designed that system? <laughs> mm. um, and so they sent me off for the HCG levels, and I was so sort of prosaic about it. I was like, this is this is not going to happen. Mm. I'm not going to get my hopes up. Because you don't want to get your hopes up, but you do want to get your hopes up. And it's funny, because even though you're like, I'm not invested in this, I don't have my hopes up, you would still have been crushed had it not mm. worked out. But... Miraculously, we are still pregnant. We are. Um, so congratulations, s- Nadine. <laughs> well, 
We're, but also still terrified, right? Absolutely shitting ourselves. Because I just know that it's not the getting pregnant, it's the staying pregnant Absolutely. and delivering a healthy baby at the end of it that is the outcome here. I have to say, though, just because we do have a bun in the oven doesn't mean that we're done with this mission. It feels like there's way more to say and there's so many other stories out there. There's more to discuss. I feel like there is. And, you know, even just off the top of my head, I want to talk to people who have gone overseas for treatment because other countries do it so differently Absolutely. to us. And anecdotally, I've heard um, people talk about you know, that you can flip through a menu of potential <laughs> surrogates or donors pick and that pick one. Um, and I want to hear about that experience because does New Zealand have it right? I, I don't know. I kind of want to hear about what's available in other countries. I have heard stories of when, and I guess this almost happened to us, right? You go to use a surrogate and then you get pregnant naturally at the same time. Yeah. I think the thank you know, God that didn't happen to us. <laughs> Instant family, though, right? Yeah. I could have I been pregnant at the same time as my friend, but both children would be my own. <laughs> One and done, but with two. <laughs> and look, there. I just think there are so many other things we could discuss. There've definitely been people emailing us and sending us DMs on Instagram saying you need to talk to my friend, da da da, <laughs> about yeah. So let us know. Would you like to hear a season two? of the human race. We'll talk to the powers that be, might come up with a list, see where we get to. So thanks for being part of the human race community. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. Thanks for listening with such open hearts. You've been so kind. Yeah. So we'll keep the socials going and we'll keep the conversation going and we'll even keep you up to date with Baby Higgins news. Yeah. What we can tell you is that Baby Higgins is going to be a little baby Mr. Higgins. A boy. Yeah. So thanks for supporting the mahi and we hope we get to talk to you again soon. Talk soon. You've been listening to The Human Race, a podcast from Wabi Sabi Media and Stuff. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify or any other podcast app. And please leave a review. It helps other people discover this important content. You can also listen at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace. We'd also love to hear from you. Email thehumanrace at stuff.co.nz and follow us at facebook.com slash thehumanracenz or on Insta at thehumanracenz. The Human Race was produced by me, Dan Higgins. And me, Nadine Higgins. Audio editing and mixing by John Ropeha. The associate producer was Jen Black. And executive producer was Chris Reed. Thanks very much for listening. That was The Human Race, which was proudly brought to you by Alivit. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. Always read the label, follow the directions for use. Vitamin and mineral supplements are not a substitute for a balanced diet. If you have a baby with a neurotube defect or spina bifida, seek specific medical advice. Bayer New Zealand Limited, Auckland. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.